0: Original Perriman, Shaka Williams, and we are sorry This is the There Something About Real Estate podcast, where we talk all things real estate. And today we have with us special guest, John Graham, real estate agent broker, flipper, investor, <laughs> extraordinaire <Real estate> <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Uh John, I would like you to um bring us right in. I, you know, we've talked a few times here and i'm very interested in if you can find something that maybe no one else knows like a
1: groovy fun fact about you um something that's a fun fact about me mm-hmm. grab that just move
2: that to the inside I yeah, mean this thing this
1: okay all right so it's not really the camera um i mean i rollerblade all the time i mean but i tell everybody that Mm-hmm. But I I do all the, like the groovy tricks that skaters do, but I just do it on rollerblades, which is much more difficult. I really should skate, but right. that's what I do for exercise. And I I started making some clothing too, mm. oh, and yeah. wow. started making some clothing.
3: For skaters?
1: No, not necessary. Okay. It's just kind of for me. Okay. It's not it's not like for resale, nothing like that. It's that's just right. for my entertainment. So I started making some clothes, and with the clothes, what I do is like I take like a designer, like I take like Ralph Lauren. And then what I do is I get a whole bunch of Ralph Lauren type of clothing. Like uh, the the outfit I I, should have wore today. I thought about wearing it. But um, I I just made up an outfit where I took like the waistband of like underwear. So I got this like gigantic like size underwear, like size 50. So the waistband all the way around it has Ralph Lauren on it. So then I got really inexpensive material. So I just flashed out like this outfit where I had like the plaid shirt normal chino pants and i right. took like the sleeves off the off the shirt and i put them for the cuffs of the pants so they match it real nice right. i took the waistband and i put it like ralph loren right here and down the right. side of the pants <laughs> and i had like, <laughs> pajama pants with little horses on it that I, I i did and i like cut out the polo horse and i put like a print behind it and put the it back on again so, it's kind of like a cool little thing that I just enjoy doing. That's
3: funny. Right. Okay. That's like a, a cross between Dapper Dan and, uh, what was it, Gordon Cartrell, Trail? The Theo, Theo sweater he had made.
1: Oh, all right. right. Yeah, but right. What, what's cool about it is it's all Ralph Lauren. Right. Like, it's not like sweet. I took material from anywhere else or anything like that. Other right. than the stitching, it's all Ralph Lauren. Uh, so, I can say I have a custom Ralph Lauren outfit.
3: So, you remixed Polo.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. A little bit about your um, background in real estate well I mean I can. I hit some of the highlights so yeah. so I, I mean I've been doing this I got my license in 1994 so I Reggie when'd you get yours 92 92 he yeah. beat me see look at that <laughs> look at that, he beat me so um I got it you know way back when and some of the highlights like I was published in The Wall Street Journal a couple times okay. in uh 2009 2010 just in for the amount of transactions I did. So it was like over 400 both years. So I had that, um, I was the second agent in Keller Williams in the state of Michigan to do over a million dollars in gross close commission. And I did it before like Mark Z and Jeff Glover did, which is really funny to me that I beat them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I did it at the one point. Um, I had a management company with over a thousand units in it, single family at one time. um, and then I had one year that I flipped 350 houses in mm. one year.
3: Wow.
1: So just, just some of the like different things, like from the flipping to the listing and selling to even management that, you know, I just do things on a very large scale. You know, I, I don't even know how to do anything like where I don't put all my effort into something. Right. And I think like my being, sometimes I think it's like, hey, look at, it. I'm going to prove to the world that look at somebody can actually do something that they
2: don't think that can be done. Mm. I like mean, three hundred fifty flips. Yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. impossible, right? Yeah. So
1: and then, and then I still list and sold real estate too as mm. well. You know right. that year, you know, just like a lot of years, I flipped the houses on the side, which my side would be somebody's full time job, right. right? And then still sold like hundreds of houses. That's right. So,
3: do you see any benefits? Because we, we go through this a lot. So a lot of investors or wholesalers, they're like, oh, I don't want to get my license. Do you see any benefits of being a licensed broker and being an investor?
1: Well, there's, there's benefits and there's also like negativities that go along with that too right. as well. I mean, if you're a wholesaler, I, I think it's best you do not have your license right. because I don't know how you can go to an actual owner. Right. And really say, hey, I just wanna get this for this price. Right. And if they ask you the question of what really what the value is, right. what are you gonna to say to them? You're gonna say, Hey, look at um, I'm not gonna lurk in your best interest. You you know, I, I'm a realtor and I can only work in my best interest. Right. I don't know if you're gonna get anywhere with that conversation. So there's benefits and negativities to having a broker's license and not having a broker's license to have a real estate license too. Right. So I mean, it's all over the board, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very open-ended question. It matters exactly what you're doing. I mean, obviously being as a realtor and a broker, you're going to have the access to the multi-list. Right. So that's a that's a big benefit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you in real comp, I think, is one of the less used tools that a real estate agent really should use. Like, here's one example. It's like just having real comp, like people ask me, how do you pick up contractors? You know, I go through real comp.
3: Yeah. I just
1: find the other guy that flipped a house, call that agent and ask him, hey, who flipped the house? Who did this? Who did that? Do you have a contractor there? Does that contractor look for more work? Did he do a good job? Right. You know." And then I find contractors. It's not a real comp, which is like unorthodox, but yeah. it's just me just thinking outside the box, I guess. Right. And for
3: those that don't know, real comp is our local MLS
2: service. Yeah. So, so I got a question. So um, when did you, you started in 92? Is that 90, when you, no, that's when, that's when, had, when Reggie started. I mean, I'm sorry. I, Yeah. Yeah. I started 94. a couple of
1: years later. Yeah. 94, 94 is where I actually went and got my license. Okay. All right. So, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little bit of background on that. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a, bit, a good feel of like where I kind of started. So when, and it kind of started back when I was in high school, when, I, when I was in high school, I would watch the David Letterman show. And I would do my homework, mostly watch the David Letterman show. But um, so after that was over, there was a guy that was on TV and his name was Carlton Sheets. Mm-hmm. OK, so if you're if you're an old timer now, you got to be over the age of 40. You have to be over the age of 40 to even know who this guy is. This is before the Internet this is before cell phones, pagers, everything. We're talking about like 85. You know, I was like maybe a junior or sophomore in high school. All right. So. I would see this guy and he would just captivate me. Mm. I just was like no money down, Mm. showing big checks. Very exciting. You know what I mean? It really got my attention. So it got enough of my attention where I actually got his course. Mm. But I was so young at the time. I think I got it when I was like 16, 17 years old. I just didn't understand it well enough. You know what I mean? Probably I didn't have the attention span either to actually go through it properly. So I just really didn't get it. But I had it, and, and it's something that was always embedded in the back of my mind. And so that's the real reason why I even got my real estate license, is that I skateboarded, and that's all I did when I was younger. Skateboard and I worked at Red Lobster, okay, which was my first job. So I did that, and then I started to like feel the illnesses of skateboarding, because it's a very rough, competitive type thing. You know, you're like a daredevil on wheels, All mm-hmm. right, Jumping down big staircases, doing things down handrails. And you're meant to get hurt. And I was just getting older. I was like, you know what? I'm taking my girlfriend seriously, you know, about, you know, marrying her. And I was like, I got to do something with my life. You know, I can't work at Red Lobster and just skateboard all the time, even though I love it, you know? So then I was like, maybe I should get my real estate license. So in 94, I went and got And I don't even know how I got it. I I have such a little amount of attention at that time, you know, a small amount of attention span. So like, I don't even know how I got it. If you ask me how I even sat in a classroom, I don't even know, (laughs) but I I got it. So I had it for about more than a year and I didn't do anything with it, zero. So I had it, passed it, great. And then we went to an engagement party. And my wife was talking to this lady and this lady was like, Oh yeah, I sell real estate. And I just started this new brokerage, which was went through 21 town to country over in Clinton township. Yeah. And so she was like, you know, if he wants to talk about it, this is a great brokerage. I just switched from another one and so on and so forth. So I just said, Oh, well, this is the right opportunity. I guess. I was thinking about it. So she just happens to be here. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I just went in there. And then when I went into the office, then I, I met with this big dude, this big, big guy. He's Italian, all right? And if you know the godfather, this guy looked like Luca Brazzi. Okay, Luca Brazzi is the guy that got, like, stabbed in the hand on the bar. Just a big henchman-type guy mm-hmm. looking out for the godfather, mm-hmm. okay? So so he's this big guy. His name is Steve Militello. Shout-out, Steve. You know, he's out there listening. are mm-hmm. listening. Um, he still sells real estate. It's a big guy. All right. So he gives me a thing called a Bresser, which no one in the world now would even know what a Bresser is. All right. All
3: right. All right. Yeah. So,
1: so, so I can explain what a Bresser is. A Bresser is a book and it was done by county. And then inside that, that county, they did it by alphabetical order of the city and then alphabetical order of the street inside that city. So they had all these phone numbers in it. And he says, just call. I don't know no mm. better. I, I had no adult conversation before I started real estate. Zero, zero. I can, I couldn't speak to anybody like it, which is now you're not going to be able to get me to shut up on this thing. But, you know, but um, so he just said, start calling. So I just did that. And so I just sat with the presser and I would call from like 10 o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. And I just did it just call after call after call, and right. I started listing houses and I started selling houses. Then every month we'd have a meeting and they'd be like, look at this rookie kid right here. <laughs> and they would embarrass me every single meeting right. because they're looking at This guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing, right. but yet he's listing houses, he's picking up buyers and if you guys can't do it, why can't he do it? He's selling So seeds and listing so leads.
2: So <laughs> a, um, good plug. Plug. But there's a,
3: he um, mentioned something that that a lot of brokers do, and I used to do it with my office. When you get a new agent, you don't let them know there's limitations. Mm -hmm. You don't let them believe it because they don't know what's possible. So you came right in and just started calling where all the older experienced agents have been beat up. They're like, oh, you can't do that. You can't list four houses Mm -hmm. a week, but he didn't know any better. So you just went right at it. You didn't know you didn't have any negativity. Home. What it's age done. is it's this? Um, okay. I, I was,
1: I was 25 when I started. Okay. 25. So no school.
2: So was there school part of this? Any secondary? Education? No, okay. I didn't
1: do it. I didn't do any of that. Okay. I, I, you know, I, 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 briefly went to Macomb community college and then just briefly left.
3: All right. You know what <laughs> I mean? It was,
1: it was it, again, no attention span, very, you know, I was just too hyper, you know, which I, which I mean, I'm 50 some years old right now. And, you know i'm just still like i hang out with my daughter's friends all day you know right. what i mean at you know parties i just right. can go right. so i just got a lot of energy and and I, that's why i don't even know how i pass
2: the class so, so you got your license at around 23 or 24
1: yeah 24
2: all right about 24. 24 and then got into first starting to sell real estate at 25 at 25 all right then what's the next spot you went to in real estate Okay. So,
1: so I, I, in my second full year, so when I started in 1995, it wasn't a full year. And then I had a full year in 96. Then 97, it caught on like wildfire. Okay. Still worked at Red Lobster this entire time. Mm-hmm. Okay. It worked like a whole weekend. Like I would work Friday night because everybody hated work at Friday night, all day Saturday and Sunday morning until open houses would start. So I, w- I would get get in my hours because I had insurance through Red Lobster at the time. And I worked there since I was 15 years old. So I worked there for 12 years. 1997, mm-hmm. I did over $6 million in real estate. And we're talking about 1997. Mm-hmm. So like you're close to $200,000 I made. I could not tell a single soul.
3: Wait a minute. Hold up. You were 25?
1: And then in 27.
3: And wait, at 27... In ninety, what was this? Nineteen ninety-seven, making two hundred
1: thousand, and I still worked at Red 90s. Lobster because I didn't even know how to quit my job. Wait Reggie.
3: a minute, hold up! <laughs> You're the second person because Ashley was, was doing the same thing. The, well, she was at the bank. I thought she was. No, at the she bank. was at Red Lobster. Oh, when she oh okay. Flipping. Oh, okay. It's yeah. something about Red Lobster. Oh, okay. yeah. Lobster <laughs> doesn't The employees go off and make all this real estate money and don't quit.
2: Like, she was like, making it, money. Yeah. Well, right. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna. Right. They must be a good company. They must take care of their employees.
1: I'm gonna tell you, like. And that's another thing, too, is like when I was cold calling, like I mentioned before, when I first started cold calling, is that everybody would say like, oh, man, how can you do that? And and I go, that, that's hard. They mm-hmm. would say to me. And I'd be like, you don't understand what you do at Red Lobster. Mm-hmm. I sit in front of a tub of shrimp, peeling shrimp for hours and hours and hours. Right. You know, that and not <laughs> not air conditioned. Metal labor. Oh, bro. can you imagine the smell? Right. You know what I mean? Like it's not so great. So me sitting down in an air conditioned office at a desk dressed nice, mm-hmm. calling people that everybody would say no to you.
3: Right.
1: Waiting for the one person to say yes, that's not hard to me.
3: Right.
1: It's just a mental thing. It's like right. I just want to I just want to get past the people that say no to get the person that says yes. Right. And the faster I can get off the phone with the people that say no, the faster I can find the person that says mm-hmm. yes. Right. So in in and, and if if you ever watch like that mastermind I did, and I said it's about contacts, and that's truthfully what real estate is, mm-hmm. and they are actually all sales. It's about contacts. You make enough contacts throughout the day, you're going to sell something, or you're going to get the results of what you want done, mm-hmm. whether you're trying to wholesale something, whether you're trying to get a listing, oh, whether you're trying to buy a house. Mm-hmm. You contact enough people, and somebody's going to say, yes, I'll sell it to you at that price. I'll list it you know i'll i'll buy that house
2: right numbers know? game so, is what you are saying right so <clears throat> let
3: me let me go back to you were 27 in the mid 90s making 200,000 a year but you came from a background you were a skateboarder how how was what was your mentality like to not mess that up because a lot of people like me personally i tell people i would have crashed and burned at 25 making that type of money so What's I was
1: super, like? I'm super frugal type person. Okay. Yeah. I I always have been, I don't even know where I get it from, but I'm just that type of person where I could just like live off of nothing. Okay. You know what I mean? Very, very simplistic, easy, you know, type of like, you know, spending habits. Like, so I was more focused on, and, and I was actually building a house because we were getting married that year too, as well. I was building a house for my wife and myself. So I took care of the house. She took care of the wedding. And I said to her, look, it. other than the food, I love you, honey. But my answer is I don't care. So you do whatever you want. Don't get me involved with it because I I, I already answered all the questions. I don't care. You can pick whatever flowers, colors. You can pick my groomsmen. I don't care. And that's my answer. So just like if you want to throw the food in front of me, maybe I'll pick out a couple of choices there. So luckily, I have a great wife that was understood my personality too, because she knows once I get into something I really go for it, mm-hmm. so she allowed me to even have the freedom to do what I
2: need to do in real estate so in ninety seven you went you sold six million and uh, then what'd you do next
1: um i mean so i I kept on selling right around there for probably about the next like i would say five to six years i would I would improve you know maybe a million or so here and there, but I was kinda i could see I was hitting a plateau. One of the problems was, is that I was having trouble with, with the actual brokerage where I was trying to get assistance, things like that. And I was so young and I was learning very quickly, which I could see was scaring my, um, my, my office manager a lot. I mean, it, I was going at such a fast pace, like my, my learning and stuff. I, I learned very quickly. I would learn a lot about investments and like HUD housing. I got the whole office signed up in HUD housing, VA housing. I I did all that. And like that brokerage was meant to sell nice houses and buy nice houses or sell to clientele nice houses. They weren't meant for like everything that I was trying to accomplish because I was going back to, you know, Carlton Sheets. I want to buy and sell. And then in 1997, that's where I actually bought my first house. I started working with investors and I sold some investors, some homes, and I went to one in St. Clair Shores. The investor just couldn't show up. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to buy it. I know absolutely and utterly nothing of what I'm supposed to do other than I know this is a good real estate deal. I grew up as a very spoiled suburban kid. Okay. From the, from uh, Sterling Heights. My dad was making six figures probably in the seventies. Okay. So anything I wanted, I got. My mom just got me whatever color polo shirt I wanted. Back to the polo, but 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 you know, so whatever she would just get me. She'd run around all God's great earth, you know. You know that's like a saying for her too. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's, you know, looking for stuff for me or whatever I wanted, I got. So even how my work ethic is, me being frugal, it, it's very different than what my upbringing mm. was. My upbringing was that my parents had good money. They made good money. And my mom was willing to give me and satisfy me whatever way she could. This was know? a flip.
2: This was a flip that you were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was meant to show it to an investor, oh. but I looked at it as like, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. I'm buying it. So I went ahead and got a mortgage, um, bought it in 1997. That's when I did my first mm-hmm. one. Uh, I started, you know, renovating it, not knowing really what to do, trying to hire contractors out, just trying to learn the the process of it and sell real estate at the same time. So just did that, you know, and I, and luckily the people that were interested in buying it were the nicest people and they were handy. So they were able to finish up the house. I made some money, but I got to list theirs. I double dipped theirs actually too. So, it, so the whole process kind of worked out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, good experience. Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm the type of person I like to push boundaries. Like, when Even when I sold real estate, if I was scared of something, I would just go, I'm scared of it. That means I should do it. You got to do it. Hit. I just got to do it. Oh, yeah. So listing, you know, like for sale by owners or expireds or doing anything that was out of the realm of not my knowledge, I would just go in there and learn it. That, that's why I, I say I was learning at a very fast pace because I would be, I would push myself very hard. Hmm. And uh, one of my mottos was, even when I started, because I just didn't have the knowledge, Um, Or even like the conversation of being adult, because like, you know, skateboarding, I can't talk skateboarding to an adult, especially back in like the 80s or the 90s. And, you know, and that's when I skateboarded. So like me going and say, hey, I kick flipped a 12 stair. No one would know what that means. You guys probably don't even know what the heck that means. But but yeah, so like that would be thrilling to me, but it's more of a skateboard community type thing. So I didn't have like being able to speak or talk well. So. You know, it it was it was a lot for me to even push myself into real estate to learn it Mm -hmm. with not even having adult conversations or normal conversations with adults. I just didn't have them. I was more of a physical type of person where I'm just going to go out there and and I'm going to show you, you know, rather than let's talk about it.
2: A question. What was the market like in 97?
1: It was hot. It was hot. hot It was hot. Any 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 property, any property that you would list would sell in a hot second.
2: So it was just like it was Yeah, just like it was just months ago. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It
3: just I think then we wasn't seeing too much of the overbidding, but it was selling quick.
2: So so then so when so in ninety seven, so between ninety-seven and like two thousand and seven, what were the changes in the market that you saw? Did it go down or did it stay pretty steady? Yeah, I'll
1: tell I'll tell you a lot about it because like I I mean I understood the market, I kinda knew what it was going to do before it even did what it did mm-hmm. so okay let's, let's go 97 okay did really good getting married building a house did my first flip okay and then um i i, I then quit my job at red lobster i went off to my honeymoon right. and never came back to red lobster mm-hmm. so th- then that's gone so now, now i'm doing real estate full-time got a house got a wife now i'm going crazy you know so then i'm selling a lot of houses more and more each single year And then we're, let's go to 2003. Okay. I was, I was, I was at Century 21 Town and Country from 1995 to 2003. Started interviewing with other companies. All right. Then I realized that, you know, like I I wanted to go to Keller Williams. They had the right structure, right basis for me. I could get assistance, so on and so forth. So I went there. So that's when I really even started even taking off more. That the first year I went to Keller Williams in 2003, I sold over 100 houses. And then every year after that, for the next like probably eight years, I sold 50 houses more every single year. Mm. Okay. And that's when I got up to my published Wall Street Journal. And it was probably 2010, 468 transactions. And that's not with a team agent. That's just done with me. Mm. That was just me. 468. 468. I mean, I had a lot of employees at that time. I work with investors, first-time home buyers, builders, regular people buying a house, selling a house, going down, going up, you know, upgrading, downgrading. Um, So, you know, I just had like every forum of real estate I had it covered. Like most people, they would know me for like one thing. They'd be like, "John works with all the investors." You know, if you were if you were that type of person that listed those type of houses, you would think that's all I did. And then other brokerages, like. Like they would do like a lot of like list a lot of first time homebuyer houses like that. There was a, a Century Twenty One like showcase that that was around at that time, and they listed a lot of houses in Warren. Century Twenty One Collins listed a lot of houses in Warren at, at that time before they did the foreclosures, and so they would just say, "Oh, John, we work with a lot of first time homebuyers." So. Right. I just worked in a, like so many different forums mm-hmm. that that everybody thought that I was just the king of that forum right. when they didn't realize I had all this oh, other the stuff. King set of up. all the forums. Right? Yeah, yeah, so,
2: yeah. So, got, so the reason I was asking about was the difference between '97 and 2007. I'm trying to get to the cycles. Okay, okay. Wait, the, here, the here, and I'll, I'll give you
1: exactly when it happened and what was going on. Okay, so late '90s. Mm-hmm. All right, because I always wanted to flip houses because I always wanted to work with investors, understand it. I started looking at foreclosures late nineties. Okay. All right. So we're talking about like 96, 97, 98, 99. Okay. So I lived in Macomb County. So I would just take everything in Macomb County. That was a foreclosure at the time. And we're, if you're talking about 1996, you're talking about possibly one or two a week. Okay. At that time, they were easy to look at. Didn't have to schedule. Like, you know, you put times down, but you could go whenever you wanted. So I would just go when I could go in between all my appointments, just run around. And I never stopped doing that for decades. And in fact, I still probably do it today. So where were we at, though? So okay. where were we at so, in that So, in that so this, is, this is great because I can mm-hmm. tell you firsthand. Mm-hmm. So, so because I looked at all the foreclosures, when I say I looked at them all, I looked at them all. Mm-hmm. So there was only two a week back then.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And all of a sudden, it became four, mm-hmm. eight, more and more. And it, they were already down in like in Macomb County, like Southern Warren, mm-hmm. possibly East Point, you know, just in like the, the lower type income areas. Then I then I saw as it got later and later in those years, like as you started getting into the 2000s, oh, my gosh, it moved north. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. gosh, I'm seeing more. So I was firsthand a day-to-day trade. I say I'm like a day-to-day trader, like in yeah. stock market to real estate. I could really see it. I knew it was going to happen. I could see it was going to happen. So as as the years went by, it just started going further north, further north, and I knew it was going to collapse. I could feel it. Right. I could so feel that, it. I could sense it.
3: I want to point out something. When I asked earlier about the benefits of being an agent broker and investor, that is one of the keys there because you're actively in the business every day, so you're seeing you're projecting what's going on in the market because you're in it and you can feel it. Plus you mentioned earlier too, the house you brought, you were able to sell it to a couple that was able to finish the project, but you also made money listing their property. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to a lot of agents, I'm like, you should be investing. Mm -hmm. Like why wouldn't you invest? Because you have such a huge benefit. You have access to all this information so go
2: ahead, so, uh, go ahead.
0: Right. well because i'm curious so you said you could sense it happening so right now currently you know with the changes that we're because they're like um hyper you know like in terms of the changes what do you feel like it's coming up now like what are you sensing or what are you feeling
1: the, these are and these are just my predictions mm-hmm. okay but i've been predicting the real estate market for a very long time you know i mean since like the nineties. So me being the person that I look at all three counties of houses. So everything in the tri-county area, I look at everything that's listed every day. So I look at like numbers that you guys wouldn't see because you're specifically looking in one area where I look very broadly. Okay. So I look at the whole thing on a daily basis. And I actually look at every single house. So like, for example, right now, around this time of year, um, single family housing, tri-county area, there's about 500 listings a day. All right. So I look at every single one. Right. You know, so there's not too many people that would even need to do that, you know, but I do because I just want to find the deals. Right. You know, so luckily I know every single area I can just look at price point area, price point area and know what a good deal is or not just that quickly. It takes me a whole 15 minutes to do that. Right. But, you know, other people, it would take a gradual, you know oh, long God. amount of time, yeah. you know. So
2: what I see. 15 minutes to figure out what a deal is. Yeah, what oh, a deal right. is
1: out of those 500 right, houses. Right. You. you know, just like yeah. looking through them real quick. No, right. So in regards to the predicting what I think is happening right now, I've been saying this for a long period of time, is that the market is not based on any numbers. Okay. The, the financial numbers of where the maybe like the, the state economy is, the state's real bad shape, real bad shape. So is the federal, you know what I mean? The national economy is real bad shape. So for the real estate the market to ever go up, it should never. And there, there's no reason financially it should do it. So what is it geared on now? And I my belief is pure media. Mm-mm. It's pure media <laughs> of what what the market is based upon. And I've been saying it for a very long time, like for years and years and years. And the reason why I even even thought this for years is that there used to be a guy named Greenspan. Do you remember Greenspan? Okay. All right. So if you remember him, he used to go out and say on a, on a quarterly basis why the interest rates were going to go up and down and what the housing market was going to do, so on and so forth. You stopped hearing from him when the economy fell apart housing wise. Okay. And the reason why is, is because he was just going to go in there and say, everybody knows it, but everything's awful guys. No one wants to hear that. No, no. Why, why go out there and say it? So they just had that person, which is the financial advisory, not say it anymore. They just, and you don't hear from even the new person because they realize that if we want to have the economics go right for whatever party's in office. And I'm not, and look at, I'm not trying to promote Democrat or Republican by what I'm going to tell you. Okay. I, I think the Republicans would do it if they're in office and the Democrats are in office now. So like, I'm not saying I'm politically anyway, I'm real estate wise. And that's what I really care about. Cause I've made money when we have Democrats in office and I made a hell of a lot of money when the Republicans are in office, so either their office doesn't matter. I just have to figure out what I need to do in my business and what the the market is, along with whatever their policies are, so I can make money, and that's really what I care about. Okay, so I'm not really politically driven by what I'm going to tell you is, but this is what I think is going to happen: is I think that the ratings of the Democrats right now are so low, which they are, they're very very low, and so I think what's going to happen is, is that next year, a year before the election, they're going to lower interest rates, okay, and they're also going to lower the gas prices. And then on social media, they're going to tell you it's great to buy houses. That's my belief. And that's a guess. I'm totally guessing. And I mean, I'm bullish in this market right now, so I'm still buying. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of what's going on right now immediately. So I could be wrong, but that's my guess of what I think is going to go on. Because to me, that makes sense to me, but whether it makes sense to me or whether it makes sense to you guys, it's all what could happen or maybe will happen. So
0: you're saying um telling people that the interest rates are going to go down and the gas prices are going to go down are going to make the masses feel like we're in a better
1: social media controls it more than anything.
2: They doing it right now, can, really. Can I mean, it, you know.
3: I think we, we missed what he said because yeah. I 100% Cuz we're
0: coming to a new election and so things when that
3: new person gets placed, right? No, no we but this
2: missed, is we the okay. But what,
1: what I'm trying to say
3: let is, me, let me let me say something. <laughs> we missed the biggest point he said. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I'm real estate. I made money in every market. Oh, yeah. Right. And we focus on what the media is saying instead of what we know and what we feel because we're living in it day to day. And he just basically said, "This is what I expect to happen." But I'm bullish in this market. So if we know certain things, we should still be moving forward and find ways to make it happen for us and our business.
2: For sure. Mm-hmm. And that's
3: because we can't we can't control what the media is gonna say. We can just react to it, but there are certain things we can do to be proactive because we know what the average consumer is doing on
2: well, what he's, what he's describing is exactly what they did when yeah. Donald Trump was leaving True.
3: office. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying?
2: So they, right. it's, it is a cycle in that in that matter, too. But go ahead. No, I'm a,
0: that's what I was kind of getting to because I've been listening and, you know, people are kind of thinking Trump is going to run again. They're also thinking that he's going to win. And I'm wondering, what your correlation to lower interest rates, a lower gas prices, telling the public, like, how that's going to impact the economy.
1: Um, I think it just makes the Democratic Party look good before an election.
3: Uh-huh. And again,
1: I, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm making sure 100% this is not like no, politically no, driven. Because they if, it, if so the Republic, if the, Republic, if the Republicans yeah. had low rating right now, mm-hmm. I would feel that that would still happen. It's not Democratic and it's not yeah. Republican. Is this is what they it, do. It's right. like,
2: That's the, the
1: hey, point. look, look, if I was a politician in office and I wanted to look good before an election, what would you do right now? Think about it. You mm-hmm. would lower the interest rate and you would lower gas prices, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're Democratic or Republican, third party, doesn't really matter. You're going to want to make your the economy better look right better. before or an look election. look better. doesn't mean yeah, that yeah, it yeah, is going yeah, yeah. to look you're better. Yeah, and, thing, and you right. got to understand too, politicians run a lot of the media mm-hmm. right. and they back a lot of media. Now, like your social media is the one thing I think, like even our forum, like realtors just in general, should go out there and say, hey guys, look at the market right now. You can get a better deal on a house. You don't have to overbid. Yes, the interest rate's a little bit higher, but now you're gonna get the same payment, and now you get a better house.
2: And the interest rate's not higher than historical. It's higher than But you than gotta it understand, people are very,
1: very world. like brief of what Short. it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. not historically.
2: But you gotta but- give them that information. So I agree, but. So you've been in real estate since 94. You've been in real estate yeah. since 92. What's the low prior to 2000 and 20? And, and so what's the lowest interest was, rate you ever saw?
3: Through the 90s we were, when I started, eight. Eight, eight and a half. so you've and
2: never, eight. ever seen sub five, sub six. So we never seen sub five and sub six. So when people were talking about this two and 3% interest rate, that's, that's an a outlier. And and I
1: think that's the reason why I stayed in the point prior where I said that things aren't really based off of good, hard numbers anymore.
3: Exactly.
1: And, and because, because they're not based off good, hard numbers anymore, it's what the media tells you. And also, I believe that we had a really low real, real, um, interest rate. And the reason why we had a low interest rate is to keep the real estate market going. Because it, it doesn't matter if there's Republican, Democrat, or third party in office. Mm-hmm. They know if you keep the real estate market going, you're going to make yourself look good, whoever's in office.
2: So that's the cycle that we're talking about. So so I guess what I'm trying to get to is so that your your, your prediction would mean the cycle would be a little bit off because he's saying that um, I'm trying to get to where in, in 97 where we were in regards to like where we are in this cycle right here. Okay. So,
1: you know I mean? so, so late 90s started looking at a lot of houses, foreclosures, and then it just got more and more and more. Agreed. So, so when, it it, when it hit, when it hit around 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. I could see that there was a problem mm-hmm. and everybody didn't even know it. Yeah. That could tell. Cause it was just hot tell. though
2: in
3: 2003. Oh yeah. it's still good.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so like when you got into 2005 and six, that's when it was really turning. It was really turning. Things started slowing down. Um, and I and I kind of had a feeling of that. And actually, that's where I started getting into like wholesaling. Mm-hmm. So before wholesaling was even a thing of what it is now, mm-hmm. which is crazy right now, mm-hmm. um, is that we started wholesaling back then. Because we would think this way. There's a person always saying that the market can't get any lower than this. Mm-hmm. 2005, 6, 7, 8, 9. The market can't get any lower than this. Right. I had a bad feeling it was getting lower. I got rid of the house as fast as I could. Made whatever I could on it, whether it was two grand, five grand, ten grand, twelve grand, whatever. It was wholesaling. Okay, I was wholesaling. Mm-hmm. And this is like I say, before wholesaling was a thing. Right. So like I was like on the tip of that, you know, of what that was, with the understanding of what that was, and it was the right time to do it. It was the perfect time to do it. So I did that. And then when I finally got out of that, then I started flipping houses again. But I, during that whole time period, that's where I was like the king. That's where Reggie knew me as the guy that had every single investor known to man. And so that's, that's what I, I, I did. But again, I had every facet still. You know, I still had every facet. Mm-hmm. Just that facet was working the best at that time. Because real estate was so inexpensive. What was great is the values would go down like, say, 70, 80 percent, but the rental values would only go down 50 percent. Right. So now you had a 30 percent, 40 percent margin of making more money and getting a rental at that time. Right. So that's where I sold to tons of investors that would do lease option to buys, rent out houses, mm-hmm. you know, just just tons. So what I was known as is that guy. So I would sit down with an investor. An investor, I would just ask him a whole bunch of questions. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to buy rentals? Do you want to flip? What do you, what do you want to do? You Can you do high-end, low-end? How much work can you do? So on and so forth. Remember everything in my head, not write anything down. And I'd say to him, look, I'm not showing you not one house. I'm just going to find the houses for you. I'm smarter than you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find Trust them. Trust me. Yeah. Yep. So, yep.
0: That's where I, I a want to say
3: like that yesterday. So yeah. <laughs> Please, if anybody <laughs> is from out of state. Please listen to what he just said, because we get investors that call and They're like, Oh, I want to buy a house 30,000 or whatever the case may be. And they're like, the next day you're like, Oh, you didn't send me anything. You didn't send me a list. No, you asked me for something specific. You want this, you want this type of return on your investment. I'm going to send you the house that makes sense. Exactly. I'm not just sending you some random list. Mm-hmm. So that's the smartest way to work it. If you're an agent. And if you're an investor, you can't expect somebody just to send you a bunch of garbage that doesn't match your investment strategy.
2: For sure. But let's try to put this piece of the puzzle together. Uh-huh. So we're, whatever we're trying to get to, because y'all yeah, been in the real estate so long, yeah. I'm trying to understand this, this cycle, right? right. <laughs> and I want to know, I want to, I want to, okay, so it sounds like a 2007, we were probably just starting to, uh, to start it's going up, before. well, year, what year?
3: I would say like like you said Six. about oh oh three, oh four, you start seeing the signs because most of the agents that were stuck on retail and I, I came, I started Century 21 too. My broker Randy, before I even knew what wholesaling was, this was in the 90s. Somebody they brought and sold properties. They flipped. But some properties I would bring and say, hey, this seller just wants to sell for cash. He would he would buy it. And take it up the street and sell it to Rimco. And he'd be like, okay, here's five thousand dollars. I'd be like, shit, I made five thousand for just meeting a seller that I called out of the bressers. So he was buying it and basically wholesaling it to Remco, who brought most of the east side in Detroit. They mm-hmm. brought a lot of properties. So later on, he started it was uh Remco went out of business. I think they went bankrupt or something. There was an asset management company called Sigma Financial. They had tons of properties and they hired my broker at the time. And then eventually hired me when I started my own company to go out and liquidate all of these properties. What year? That was um, like 99, 2000, okay. around that time. All right. And that was my first experience with an asset manager. And So we were in the we buyer's got- market then. It was more of a balance market. balanced market. It's just okay. your average buyer was not buying a foreclosure. They would buy maybe a HUD home. Every mm-hmm. then. But then I started seeing banks. We started signing up and then that was the first time I started doing BPO's for banks. And it was just like 99. completely different. This was mm-hmm. early 2000. That's
1: very, very like mo- most everybody that was in real estate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all retail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we, we were very few real estate agents that ever worked in even that forum, Mm -hmm. even at that Mm -hmm. time, Mm -hmm. even with investors, very,
2: very small amount. Yeah. Balance. So you're saying balance in 99, 2000, but it was, no, it was, it was still a seller's market, still a seller's seller's
3: market. market.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent until about 2003, I would say. Okay. That's when you
3: start seeing,
1: but we could see the signs maybe a little bit earlier or even know that they were foreclosures because like there's many agents that didn't even know that foreclosure was even available they didn't even know about houses gotcha it
3: was Mm -hmm. it was to the point around 2003 2004 you start looking at inventory okay there's 10 homes on the market in this area but two of them are foreclosures then you start seeing four of them are foreclosures so four out of ten so the percentage of foreclosures compared to regular retail property started to increase Mm -hmm. that's why he said he could see the signs like, okay, the foreclosures are creeping up with mm-hmm. the retail properties. So even
0: between that, during that 2003 to probably 2005 period, you had a lot of people starting to get into the fix and flips like, big time. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I would say I would say it became more predominant because just, just because of, like, what was going on with television media and... and media goes yeah, 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 yeah. On October. October. Yeah, October. yeah. But
3: that was kind of a sweet spot, too, too. because... Mm-hmm. We still had the market was still good enough at the time. It was balanced, then you could go buy a foreclosure that was on sale for a hundred thousand and on retail market it was still worth two it wasn't
2: so oversaturated like it is right now. Yeah. But okay, so ninety 697 seller's market seller's market all the way up to 2003 i would say 2003 then we get to
1: and then and then then it it was maybe balanced maybe balanced for maybe a year maybe two okay all right
2: and then it definitely was a buyer's market
1: up until oh yeah it was just like it was just like scared to death buy a house yeah 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 after that everybody was scared because they didn't know Mm -hmm. like and that's that's why Oh yeah, 2007? 2007? oh, yeah. Retail. Oh, no, no, no. Way before that. 2005, I would say yeah. that that from 2005 all the way to 2000, I would say eight or nine. Yeah. Regular retail people weren't going out there and really buying houses because they were scared. And they and, and there was a big job loss at the time, mm-hmm. you know, with the big three. It's like it was a, like a, a really bad situation with here in Michigan. One it was letting, then they were outsourcing so much work at the time that they finally said, Hey, union people, we don't care no more.
3: Right.
1: We're letting you go. We're cutting your pay. We're, we're, you're gone. And then, and then that's yeah, when, right when the realist. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it happened consecutively with the market going bad at the same time. It was like the worst thing that could possibly happen. That's why the value was so much lost. In Michigan, other than other states, one, it happened here sooner. And two, the big three made changes at that time, too, as well on top of it. So you're talking about people that would just their their um, their UAW work, you know, like a representative will go in and go, well, we got you more money. And then every year they would get more money, no matter what, no matter if it made sense or didn't make sense. They just would go and get them more money. Right. And then they, they just put a stop to it at the same time the real estate market went. So now you got people that aren't working that are going to lose their house anyways now because they they just refinanced, paid off all their credit cards, have zero equity in it. Now, see, that's the difference of what is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the difference of what it is now. Now, a lot of people are talking about like, okay, this foreclosure way is going to happen. Now, one, yeah, it was held up because of the pandemic. 100%, you're going to get more foreclosures. But I also want you to think about this is, is that the market has gone up so much in the last like two to three years that all the people that were foreclosed prior to that now have equity. So even if they lost their house, you know, like they bought it five years ago, they got equity in it. So most likely they're not going to lose it or the bank's not going to lose it either on that deal. Now I'm going to tell you what the problem is. The problem is the people that bought the houses in the last two years. So if they're losing those in the next like couple years, and I really think it's going to be a wave five years out, five years from now, the people that bought so high in the last two years, if the market's not so great, they're going to bail out of it in two seconds because there's no equity what there.
0: Bought, what if they bought high in the last two years? The house doesn't have equity currently, but they spent $100,000 out of their pocket cash buying that house. That's why That's why they're forward.
2: not. So, so I agree course, with you. That's why they're not going to do that. In addition to that. They put a lot of their money in there in their interest rate. Well, I don't care which you go, you can go back out to the new market with the right. new interest rates. You're not you're gonna be spending way more for your house for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house than you did for a three hundred thousand dollar well, house with those low interest rates.
3: We're talking about the people. I see what he's saying. The people that paid the house was two fifty. They put the minimum down payment mm-hmm. and three years from now, they're in trouble. They don't have, we're talking about government loans, loans. Right. government okay. loans. Right. I'm
1: not talking about the person that puts money down because they still have equity. Most likely That's the people it. that have equity in a house yeah. are not going to leave it anyways. Mm-hmm. But if right. you, so like if the you vistas, put
0: like the grant, I'm sorry, like the grant program,
1: government loans, anything VA zero down, you can get all the closing okay. costs paid three and a half percent down. You can actually get the money borrowed. People that are putting very little into a house, mm-hmm. They're going to be the most people that walk away from them. They've always been. It's, that's, the, that's how
3: is, what, that's what, it's what happened when we had the crash before. Because mm-hmm. once you saw prime loans, there was no skin in the game up front. Mm-hmm. So you went into a house without equity. Some people were getting cash back at closure. But there's a yeah, difference. But yeah, there's a, but there is a, there that's a, that's a difference spent. now, though. Yeah. The I'm interest saying, rate
2: like, is going to be the well. The lending equalizer.
1: institutions tightened up on right. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So. Right so this wouldn't happen again mm-hmm. but right. you know I believe that those governmental type loans with the very low down payments are going to be the highest foreclosed on just like they always, always. have been right. in the past they're high risk
2: they're high risk loans. that's are why they they're um, up.
1: oh yeah there, there's more but again it's not something where I'm it's getting bombarding yeah. the market it's mm-hmm. not like that it's not just put it this way it's not affecting the market either right. it's not affecting it where oh my gosh all these foreclosures and got to remember they mostly had equity in them Mm -hmm. so if they have equity and that means the bank can sell them and still sell them at a decent enough price you know and And you
3: have the proactive they're more proactive with short sales Mm -hmm. so you have people that they're behind the bank and saying hey we can't do a loan. mile let's do a short sale while the house is still intact and we can get out of this at break even or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. so there's not going to be um, like he said, if the homeowner has equity first and foremost, they're going to sell it before they lose it. If they're not wise enough to do that or in a position to do that, the bank is going to get it and make money, or try to get that person to do a short sale first.
2: So we're back in the seller's market right now. We've been in the seller's market for how long? I
1: I don't know if it's really any kind of market right now. Mm, I think it's. Yeah. I think I think it's. I think you can be in a seller's market if you have a property that is priced right, Mm -hmm. and is in really good condition, Mm -hmm. then you can get like multiple offers or offers very quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the same aspect, you have properties that are mediocre, Mm -hmm. and they think they have the extra nail in them. And they uh, they want to price it like higher than everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And so that's also they don't have the mind that the market has changed, because we're in it, we understand it, Mm -hmm. you know, and but if they don't want to price it that way, they're going to price it higher. And so that's, have an effect on the market too, is that there's a lot of homeowners out there that are trying to get more and don't realize it yet that the market's changed.
3: Right. And so, that's why you start getting the price reductions in mm-hmm. the media and the consumers see that on social media. And they're like, oh, all of these price reductions are happening. Mm-hmm. Well, not They was too high really, anyway, they, right? They started out too high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They thought the market was still going
2: like this. But you're so, still in the seller's market though. So in my opinion, because all right, you still have more houses. Uh, You have more people that need a house than you have houses available to sell. I
1: I don't know about that anymore. Mm -hmm. I I see the inventory still getting higher and higher month after month. Mm -hmm. So I I don't 100% agree with that. Mm -hmm. Like I say, it's very like wish-washy on what kind of really market we're in. I think it depends on the house and the pricing. And it is
3: too, because each city, now you're starting to see different cities have completely different market characteristics Mm -hmm. like you put a house on the market in this area and it's going to get highest and best multiple offers similar house somewhere else affordable and it sits for 30 days so
2: i got a question so if you're somebody that was in the market to buy a house you didn't get you haven't got a house yet what are your options one option one is to do what rent no, I'm buying a house still. So, um, I'm just—that's uh, one of the options—is to buy. Right. I'm not right. Interested. I think I think you well, should we, just we be just very
1: careful mm-hmm. when you go out there, um, working with you know buyers, uh, buyers just even looking for houses. You just want to make sure that you get a house that you're not overpaying for, mm-hmm. that you're getting it at a decent market value. You know, I mean, I think you're in a market where you can do that, right. and, but it also in some of the hot areas. It's still like let's say Royal Oak or where or right now, right. It, it's it's still a very competitive right. kit. Yeah. So so you, you know you just want to like and I think the buyers already know this. I think the buyers are more educated than they ever have been before, and the agents are more educated in regards to market, right. you know, um, than they ever have before because like the changes happen so quickly. Before when we first started, those changes we didn't know it as real estate agents or weren't talked about or didn't have forms like we, we have right here, internet. even talking about this. <laughs> yeah. So all the media too helps you out to like Zillow. Does right. anybody can pop on Zillow and just find out a, a market value in a split second? Right. Not really. When, yeah, yeah. Not really. But
2: so how do you, um, how do you determine, what determines that you're overpaying for a house?
1: I mean, you should get a good real estate agent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, for sure. but I'm, yeah, but I'm saying, for sure. so,
2: so I think, so I don't think that anybody, I don't think that's a real um, thing. Like, you know what I mean? That you're overpaying for a house um, unless, well, not in not in a manner which a lot of people think about it. What I mean by that is if, if you're going to go rent, so we were, we we're just talking about people that are buying uh, right now or that still need to buy or do, who don't have a house. So they got to either go rent and you just said, where are the rents at right now?
1: The rents are super high. They're
2: high as hell, right? right? So you got high rent, so uh, or you can go out and buy you a house with the uh, interest rates at where they are right now. And you're most likely still going to be paying less than what you're paying in the rent.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I I just like Reggie said, I go buy a house. Yeah. I just say, just so, be, be careful in the market. That's yeah. what I'm saying. No, so, I hear what
0: you're saying. It's just kind of like I was just um, doing a consult with a buyer last night and she wants to really bid on these properties in like Southfield and like they've been on the market for two days. They're gorgeous. You know, that quote unquote hot property. And it's kind of like, okay, I just, you can bid on whatever you want. Let's do whatever it is that you feel is right. Or you can kind of just have a little patience and we can find a house that maybe has similar characteristics, but you don't have to go into a bidding war and compete for this house and spend $60,000 above ask price.
3: Yeah, so what, what, what I tell buyers is whatever your budget is, stick to it. Don't let the emotions of competition cause you to pay more and get out of your
0: mm-hmm. budget i think Thank it you. was okay for a, a, a hot minute but i think right now it's kind of like to uh with john was saying like we are kind of getting to the point to where it's like we at the tipping. Yeah. so like maybe if this was like a year ago i felt like you know we still could press it a little bit you know be it a little bit more above x and...
3: i still tell people don't go whatever your budget is <laughs> don't go, no, budget.
0: Not go not necessarily go over oh. your budget so because most people you have what you have right Right. Mm-hmm. And so you buy what you can, mm-hmm. even if you're putting cash into it. But um, I think it was smarter to do it at a certain time because the equity was still increasing. Oh, I,
3: appreciate
1: mm-hmm. but, I think yeah. the opportunity right now for a buyer is better than it was a year ago. Yes. Yes. So, so I mean, why not take advantage of that as a buyer? You know, so go out there and be able to bid on a house. I I, I say get a good real estate agent. The mm-hmm. reason why I say that is, is that I see that the showings on my listings have gone down and right. I mean, I list like, you know, three, or four properties a week. Okay. So, so here's the one thing is I know if I was a buyer's agent and seeing the showings and and the other thing is they're not getting shown as quickly. If you got a really good agent, I mean, I would be, I, I know how I am. I know yeah. how fast I move. I'm just that guy that moves faster than anybody else can. I would be in that house that day, bidding on that house that day and saying, look, it, I got a good bid. And then you don't have to go in that overbidding because I, I realized now that the overbidding starts like five days after. Like because everything's slowed up just enough mm-hmm. where now if I was working mm-hmm. with buyers, I'd be that first guy in. And I'd be the, giving them asking price probably on a lot of these properties that are worthwhile and not being able to, you know, not having to get into that bidding war. Because they just said, "Look, I gave you everything you needed to get, and I know the property's worth it." I'm not saying everything every single property should overbid on or bid asking price, but there's particular ones that you know if you can move with your buyer that quickly and get them in. The opportunity is there now as an agent working with these buyers and the buyers themselves. So the faster that everybody can move, you're going to get a better deal now.
3: So So I want to, I want to, because we gotta, we gotta finish off with Mm -hmm. this Mm flip. How many flips on average are you doing a year? A couple
1: hundred. Or a couple hundred.
3: That's crazy. I want to know so, how many have you done so far this year?
1: Um, I think I have already closed out this year. It's somewhere around 120 or something, 225.
0: Okay. And that's for 2022. Yes. And I have another question that follows up to that question. How many um acquisitions that you make in the last seven days?
1: Oh, I don't even know. Okay. I, I, okay, I. I I have right now, I have 125 that I'm currently doing. Okay. okay so, so, you know, I, again, I'm kind of bullish, you know, cause that, you know, looking for next spring to mm-hmm. hit, hit good. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then that's what I'm hoping for. So yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing that many right now, which, which, which is, are composed of um, about like 25 that I have that are already renovated and already sold to buyers and we're just closing on them. Okay. So, and then I have another about like 10 to 15 that are currently active right now that are on the market. And then I have another almost 80 that are like, you know, like in like renovation right now. Mm, And then I have another like 15 or so that I'm relocating tenants out of the properties, you know, so they would, they had tenants in them, either not paying or paying. And we're just trying to work out some way to get them out of the house and get them situated somewhere else.
2: So your main thing right now is flipping. I mean it's flipping your yes, main yes, thing. yes.
1: Yes. Um listing and selling I do very little of. You know, I'm I'm probably only doing like three, four million a year. Mm. You know, so like I don't really spend that much time in regards to listing and selling. I spend all my efforts into buying and selling.
3: How how are you finding your
1: uh, mostly through wholesalers. Okay. Yeah, the majority is through wholesalers, and what I do is I work along with the wholesalers. So it it a lot of people like treat wholesalers very poorly. They they they're like, well, they don't know what they're doing, da da da, and I and it, and that's fine to me because I just work along with them, help right. them out whatever way I can, and I know if I help them, then they're going to turn to me once they have properties, and then I take every property very seriously. Right. So I always cop everything out. I always get back with everybody. And I try to work along with them as almost like a team, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, look like at, like, I'll help you, you help me and we'll go from there. So I do that a lot with wholesalers. So I work in a very different fashion with wholesalers. I have about a half dozen wholesalers that just strictly just work with me wow. where they just book me out on appointments. I go here, do what you do best. Go out there and do your marketing. Go out there and find these leads. Let me do what I do best is running around all over the place, looking at houses and making the the correct bids on them. And then you bid lower than what my bid is with it, with that, that owner and get it locked up. You have your built in profit and you never have to run and look at a house. Mm. You know, so wholesalers out there, if you, you want to just concentrate on being like a, like a stay at home type person, there's no need for you to run around with me. There, there's, there's no need to market to any other buyers and let them drive you crazy about being wishy-washy. You don't have to order title work necessary unless you're in the city of Detroit. And I highly recommend you order title work on these properties before you do any kind of marketing on them. Right. But, um, but if you're just doing it with me, I am patient and things don't work out. It's okay. You right. know what I mean? I'm not going to be upset where well, a lot of other wholesalers are going to be, I let that money sit aside and you should have free and clear title and da 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 da. And, and I'm not going to be like that. Right. So, if you're out there, just give me a ring, you know, and then I, I can go ahead and, uh, you know, work along with you. But I mean, That's how I do it, is right. that they're, they're a good source of marketing to me, and I treat them like business partners. And in fact, like a lot of them, I've created other businesses with them that generate me activity, too, as well. Right. So, like, it's just it's just utterly, like, a, a good thing that I've done. Right. And and I also network with a lot of agents um, about finding properties, too, as well, you know. Um, I'm always like, hey, if you ever have something, I'm here for you. I'll I'll be able to buy it, You know, make your life very easy on this whole transaction. We'll clear out the house. You don't have to wait for the owner to take a year to clear out the house. I'll do it right away. You take out what you need. So it's agents and wholesalers that, that I've been working a lot with to get all the leads. And that's one of the things that people think that's extraordinary about what I do is, is that how I've networked with all these people to be able to do this, right. to be able to have them do all this marketing or finding of, of these houses where I don't have to now do it. But again, I'm like their best buyer.
3: Right. So one thing I noticed, too, like you went to well you went to several of my properties, but your offers are solid. So a lot of people, investors, will make offers and then they'll beat you up on the inspection and this. So when John submitted an offer like on um, on Woodburn, it was straightforward, cash, clean. I know what I'm buying. Worst case scenario, this is my price. So I can go to a seller and be like, this deal is going to close at this price. Most investors, they'll be like, okay, I'm going to bid up here, mm-hmm. do the inspection and come back and beat you down 30000 mm-hmm. and all of that. So that reputation that you're going to actually close at this as an agent, let you know, okay, I know it's solid. Now it's up to the seller if they want to accept it. So, because mm-hmm. you physically go out to
1: every property, right? Yeah, so I, I do. Um, And then a lot of people are like, why do you do that? And, 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 the, and the reason is, is that I just want to explain to the wholesalers a lot of what's going on. And I have all that insight. I mean, I've been negotiating. I, I probably have done well over 10,000 real estate transactions, right. which is just unheard of. Mm-hmm. So like me just even getting that brief like sometimes like notion of where the seller might be at or what I can get a feel about the real estate like I can look at a property for 5 minutes but talk a half an hour about it yeah. so I can help the wholesalers out on you know with their negotiation like oh the house has a problem with the foundation or, or needs this or they didn't do their city inspection yet right. or the the seller seemed this way when I looked at the property I can give them a lot of insight same with the agents too like like if I go look at a house, like say, say, for example, Reggie, you, you get me to go over to one of your properties and I'm there with you and we go together. Not only we, can we talk about like investment wise, but we can also say, well, maybe this isn't the best option. Maybe that seller should try the retail market and I can talk to you about retail wise. I'm like a guy that you can bounce all kinds of different things off of because I've been in both of those forums so well, just like yourself. Are you doing what?
2: inspections? Uh,
1: no, I, I. the only the reasons I ever do an inspection is if it's on well or septic,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because I can't physically see these things. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I got, I want to have the water tested. I, I need to, somebody to go out there and actually check out the field, run the water, test the ground, right. check the tank. Something you got you yeah, to. I can't physically do it. see it. Right. Yeah, I can't physically mm-hmm. see it. If it's not on well or septic, typically I'm never making an inspection. Never.
3: With, um,
1: how are you funding this flip? Okay. So this, this is how I do it is anything that's under the price of like, say, 80000 or so, I usually buy a cash. And then all the properties that I go ahead and even renovate or get money lent to me on, I do all the renovations in cash. Okay. Right. But how I get them funded is over the years, and then we're talking about decades, is that I've gotten investors to invest with me. Right. And they're all just personal people. And if I could say out there to all the people looking for money, so they can invest in real estate, take control. Don't go to the big lender or a lender that just lends to people that you know flip houses. Control your own destiny. Get your own people. Mm -hmm. You know, and and never cut them in on the deal either. Okay, I always say this, and this is like a motto of mine: is What would you rather have? Would you rather have a lot of money, or the process? To make a lot of money, what what is really the most important thing? A lot of money. money. (laughs) No, it's (laughs) a process to make money. Anybody can have money, and anybody can lose money. But if you always have the process, you always have money. I got you.
0: It's crazy that you. I I swear, I literally was like in my car, and because it was based on my day yesterday, and everybody I met, Mm -hmm. and the money I collected, I was like, damn, you know. How much money do I actually have? Mm-hmm. And it's it's to your point, it's the relationships and the process of getting it and the things that people will invest in. So you can
3: duplicate
1: it. Can They're investing it, yeah. in you. Exactly. Yeah. So,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. so mm-hmm. if you do well with people, then they come to you. I always say money doesn't refer out business, people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then people like I've gone to, they lend me the money. So now it's all referral-based almost like I get more and more money because. The like the 30 plus people that lend me money, tell somebody else Mm -hmm. and they're like, here, look, I've been investing for how long with John and, you know, you know, go to him and, you know, it's, it's, you just get paid interest. You can keep on rolling it if you want to. He's always got properties, so on and so forth. And this, why the reason I even do the amount that I do Mm -hmm. is because I have the backing to do it. And you never cut them in.
2: You, only never. Your never. Because, again,
1: that, that the process of making money is much more important. Mm-hmm. I always say that you could take all my money from me, mm-hmm. okay, and and I'll be a millionaire mm-hmm. next year. I
0: have one more last question. Um, Will you wholesale properties that, um, like, you know, that's in your – when, when,
1: when you say wholesaling, I do it a little bit differently because I work with wholesalers. Typically what I do is I'll close on them still. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll close on them. And then resell them. Mm -hmm. I always want to close on everything because that, that wholesaler doesn't want that because they feel like they get taken advantage of. You know what I mean? And I, I never want my wholesaler that I'm working with feeling that way, you know, you know, and, and, and it's funny because a lot of wholesalers even see that, Oh my gosh, you put the property back up on the multi list and you resold it. And now I said, look at, if you got the money, do some deals then, Mm -hmm. you know, do some, and, and it's funny, there's one wholesaler I work with. He's so very young. Shout out to Soham out there. He's a very young guy. Right. And I think he's a sophomore in college. He's probably like 20. I don't even think he's 21 yet. Right. And he really knows what he's doing. Mm. So he, he he's out there and he saw me do that a couple of times. I bought his properties. I just put them back up and resold them. Right. He's like, oh my gosh,
3: right. you
1: <laughs> did that? I mean, he did well with them too. I right. think he made 20 grand on both these houses that right. I even bought. And then one I made twenty grand, one I made only seven, but I still made twenty-seven grand and Mm -hmm. all I did was multi-list them. You know what I mean? That's all I did.
3: I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of times the wholesalers I know they don't understand the power of the marketing part of the MLS because it opens it up to other investors and retail buyers as well. Mm -hmm. So that's good to know because we've done that before Mm -hmm. where we've actually brought a property. And two days later, it's on the MLS and you're making money. It's like, what's wrong with that? But you? I think it's really exactly. important, though, that you tell the
1: wholesaler that you're doing that ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and even a real estate agent, too. Like, yeah. There's been times where I bought a property and they wasn't listed. Right. And it was a real estate agent that gave me the lead. I'm like, I'm just going to list it. So they're not offended. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't ever want to offend anybody, right. do anything like that. And I don't want them to get in trouble, too. Like, hey, look at... Maybe the seller could have got more money or something like that. Look, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I'm realisting this thing. Just letting you know.
3: Now, real quick before we wrap up, how are you dealing with contractors currently? Are you having contractor issues like everybody
1: else? I mean, I really don't have like the issues that most people have. And here's the reason why. Okay. One, I have a project manager. Okay. Okay. And that project manager goes to a project manager per house. right. So there's a project manager that takes care of everything we need to get done for the house. And I have a project manager that oversees that project manager. So like I was saying, I got close to 80 in rehab right now. So that project manager will go to them. And, and make sure we can get the house done. And he's willing to help out too. Like if there's any problem solving, anything that, like I can't find a plumber, we got our own plumbers. Right. And you need to pull a permit. He'll help pull a permit. He need help with the city. He's willing to help with the city. He's willing to facilitate what we need to get done to get the house finished. Okay. So those project managers can do sometimes one house and some they can do like a half dozen. Okay. And we got everybody in between. All right. So we have about 15 or so project managers that my project manager oversees. all right, to get all those projects done. So the reason why I don't have the typical problems now, I I still, you know, it's hard to get sometimes the house done and and there's a delay in regards to labor and materials right now because it's a challenge. But I don't have the typical problems is because once these project managers get a hold of me, meaning that I contact them, they're like, oh my gosh, I have the right person. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to work with a person like this, meaning that I have a project for them at all times. I have a project manager that's willing to help and facilitate a deal. Another person to go to, to help get the project done. Sometimes they don't have that other person. They're lost. And, and to having, having the knowledge of how to do flips, how long they take, how to problem solve them is also like very challenging. And now that's all in place with, you know, Tony, my project manager, You know, he's great. You know, we have a lot of knowledge, him and I. And so we know the timeframes. We understand that there might not be working on our project every single day. We're not freaking out or going and picking out five different colors for the house. Or, you know, you could see all these houses that are done. So even a brand new project manager can see where the quality of our work are and what we expect of them. You know, they can see it where, say, a newbie type of flipper. They're like, I want this done in, you know, this $50,000 rehab done in 30 days. And I, it's going to be all this custom stuff. And I want it to be intricate like this and I'm going to drive you crazy. And, you know, so that's why I say when they get a hold of me, they understand that, oh my gosh, this is what I've always wanted. And so typically they don't go anywhere. You're if seven. anything, if that's anything, right if anything, if they're not good enough, we get rid of them. Right. Not the opposite way around. Right. You know, so. That, that's sort of the benefit. And plus, financially, we have it really together where we pay out our draws on time. We, we have invoicing. We got somebody like my project manager and my controller in my office looking at all the bills, making sure what stage it's at, making sure they get paid on time, making sure they don't get paid when they're not at certain stages and letting them know that you got to get more done or finish the project or whatever the case is. I'm not saying it's not problematic. Right. I'm just saying that it's easier because I have the structure and also I had the amount of properties to get one to the other. So they're not worried about going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. I would say on those, those crews that I would say 75% of their business is mine. They're, they don't have to go and look for other work necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them do have other jobs going on, but as soon as they see, you know what I mean? They start gearing more and that. more towards mine than rather than. The other because it's just one so easier. You, and you got to remember too, you got retail out there. Yeah. You know how retail is so hard with contractors. Mm-hmm. They switch things up. You can't even smoke yeah. on their their property or even out in front of the car. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they, they they could get all whacked out on little, little tiny things. They got to clean up every single day. Right. You know, they got to stop at certain times. With mine, they could leave the job, come to the job as long as it's done in the time frame, we're good. You know, so I don't have the same kind of problems that a normal person would have trying to find contractors.
0: All right, can you tell us where can we find you at social media handles? I don't have, media, have none of that. None news. of that.
1: You got it. You got it. You, 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 you got to call this guy. Yeah.
3: John so Graham.
1: yeah, John Graham, and, and my phone number. It's it's super easy. It's 944 John. Nine four four John. So the audience, guess this is my phone number. It's five eight six nine four four. What is it, guys? John. What is it?
3: Right. Hey. Come on, what yeah, is it? John. There you go. Five, six, five, six, four, six. Are you skateboarding over? Where are you
1: skateboarding? I don't skate. I don't skateboard you know nowhere. Rollerblade. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I hit all the skating rinks. Can, I, I hit them all. Find,
3: uh, roller blade.
1: Yeah. All right. Rollerblading, Skate World, <laughs> yeah. The New Rink, Great Skate. All right. Yep. Northland, <laughs> right. Riverside, right. Bonaventure.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was just there the other <laughs> day what was that you got
1: a um a no 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 I don't go to that one it's because <laughs> okay. their floor is bumpy oh, okay. their floor is bumpy there, right? <laughs> oh yeah I've been there I've been everywhere
0: <laughs> okay guys that's a wrap alright it's hot
1: yeah i would.